This is uh, Fusebox uh, number 88, Tijuana Bible. And uh, you should stop looking at those dirty pictures. Because as we all know, you'll grow hair in your eyes and go deaf if you do. Hello, friends, and welcome into Fusebox. This one, lucky number 88, Tijuana Bible. We'll be yapping about that phenomenon in mere moments. I'm your uh, reading that magazine only for the ads host, Mark Rose. And over there, twiddling madly about the uh, dials and faders, is the lord of loudness himself, Milt Keynes, everybody. Present and accounted for. Uh, I do get hazard pay for this show, right? <laughs> what? And and by the way, I can't I can't help but notice. W- why are you wearing a helmet? Never mind that. Nothing to see here. Just go ahead and get on with it. <laughs> Man. All righty then. And uh, and on with it we shall. Uh, a man of mystery, friends. Milt Crash Helmet Kane. Well, and uh, speaking of randomly irregular, unexpected, fickle spontaneity... Yeah, I love spontaneity, as long as I can plan for it. Yes, this I know about you. It's like I said before, I don't like surprises. Because you never get a good one, right? <laughs> Exactamundo, <laughs> compadre. And, and, and that actually relates to what I was, uh, was about to bring up, uh... Nice spontaneous segue there, by the way. Well, once in a while, the sun shines on a dog's ass, you know. Uh, sure. Why not? So, I I was uh, watching a, a World War II documentary the other day. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but... Uh, seen one war documentary, you've seen them all. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Anyway, they, uh... They naturally covered uh, Adolf Hitler in the Third Reich, and uh, it, it, it made me uh, think of, uh, about your, uh, your phobia, about the number 88. It's not a phobia, man. It's, it, it's a very real fear of the number 88. <laughs> of course it is. How stupid of me to... I'm just saying, phobia sounds too science-y. You know, it doesn't accurately describe it for me, man. Because the number 8 is, is out to get me. Seriously. <laughs> you know, I sorry, I don't mean to, to make light of your fear or anyone else's because, well, we all have our thing, you know, that thing that that either fills us with uh, apprehension or terror or... Or that makes us happy in our pants. Well, yes, but I'm, I'm talking more about phobias than fetishes. Well, I can tell you right now. I don't have a fetish for Hitler, so I have no damn idea where you're headed with this thing. But I bet my pants I'm not going to like it one damn bit. Very likely. But uh, then what fun would it be otherwise, right? Oh, man. Continue. Well, it's just that I wondered. If your your 88 phobia... Fear, dude. Fear. your, Your 88 fear has anything to do with your hatred of all things Hitler. Oh, I do hate Nazis, that's for sure, but... Because, you know, symbolically, the number 88 is the numbered representation of the swastika cross, three times cranked, as they say. Yeah, 
Well, I'm starting to get three times cranked here myself, so what's your point? Besides your head. And this cross, symbolically speaking, represents the eternity, or uh, the cosmic Christ, and is allotted to the number 16, and by a theosophical reduction, 8 plus 8 equals 16. Cosmic Christ on a cracker, man. What the hell? And did you know that white supremacists uh, use 88 as a code for Heil Hitler? See, the letter H is the eighth letter of the alphabet. Thus, 88 represents HH, or Heil Hitler. Wow. I know, right? No. Wow, because seriously, bro, you gotta get laid. You have way too much time on your hands, man, really. I can't disagree with either observation. But isn't that fascinating? So yeah, yeah, it occurred to me that maybe your phobia, your fear of the number 88 is somehow psychologically seeded from something in your childhood involving some type of encounter with the white supremacists or other type of fascism. Like the Republican Party? Well, I like the Republican Party. Well, that's some pretty fascinating shit you just flung there, Mr. Rose, but uh, it's nothing like that, man. I mean, 88 is just an unlucky number for me. It always has been. Okay. Like my ex-wife. <laughs> Which one? I mean, you've been married a few times there, as I recall. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. But no, the first one. Janine. Yeah. Janine. That shit, Janine. I'm guessing you two uh, don't exchange Christmas cards. That chick was nuttier than a holiday fruitcake, man. But but anyway, we got we got married October 8th, 1988. See? Ah, 8888. Exactly. Okay, okay, I think I get it. So for you, 88 is is unlucky because... No, 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 there's more, man. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We, we got married on October 8th, 1988. 8, 8, 88 in Vegas. Naturally. So romantic. Anyway, October 8th, 1988, and we're driving back from Vegas in her brother's old 88. No, you're joking. Care to guess what model year her brother's Oldsmobile 88 was? No way. Yep. 1988. Yep. A 1988 Oldsmobile 88? No way. Way. So, okay, all right. So when exactly did you decide the number 88 was unlucky? I'm getting to that. So we just got married, and we're headed back to Utah. And, and well, like I said, we, we just got married, right? And, you know, we're, we're young, and we're a little bit drunk, and, well, Janine was feeling a little, uh, uh, Adventurous, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Wait. What? Adve- what? What do you mean? Dude, you seriously need a girlfriend. Again, I don't disagree. But what do you mean by- Adventurous, you know? She decided to start the honeymoon early. Uh-huh. Right? Oh. Oh, 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 yeah. Right? All right, so, so, so you're up to speed now. Yeah, 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 gotcha. Seriously, bro. I know. I know. I need a girlfriend, okay? Or at least get out once in a while. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah. 
batshit Janine decides it'd be fun to, you know... Uh, lay her head in your lap? Well, I was gonna say blow me, but okay. Anyway, we're drunk, and uh, in the throes of uh, marital bliss, when the future ex, Miss Milk Keynes, decides to give me an oral preview of our wedding night... And then, all of a sudden... Wait, do I want to hear this? All of a sudden, blue lights, man. Cops. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. So I pull over, trying to get myself zipped back up. Well, what was Janine doing? Laughing her ass off, man. Really? Batshit Janine. Bro, I've told you how crazy that chick was. But yeah... I'm scrambling to put a little milk back in my pants and get zipped before the cop taps on the glass. And Janine, my brand new blushing bride, is laughing her ass off and lighting a cigarette. I I just get myself pulled together when one of Utah's finest taps on my window. So I roll down the window, staring into a flashlight beam. Then he starts looking around the inside of the car with the damn flashlight, looking for booze or drugs or whatever. And and, and all the while, Janine's snickering and giggling like some kind of damn mental patient with her hair all messed up and her lipstick smeared all over her stupid face, smoking a Winston Slim. And the cop asks if I know why he pulled me over. Of course. Yeah. So I'm trying to be, you know, smooth. So I said, why, no, officer. Then I think, well, maybe the guy has, you know, a romantic soft spot or whatever. So I say, we just got married, and we're on our way to our honeymoon. Well, did it work? Do I look like I have that kind of luck? I mean, have you not met me? Point taken. Fuck no, it doesn't work. He's just standing there like a giant blue zombie, and then he says... Do you know how fast you were going? So, like I say, I'm trying to be cool here. And I say something intelligent as fuck, like, Uh, why no, officer, uh, was I speeding? I mean, hell, man, I was hammered and getting a blowy while driving. Oh, man. I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if you told me we were going 128, (laughs) right? Because, you know, I was getting a hummer and, well, you know, you sort of just mash down on the accelerator, right? So, uh, so how fast were you? G- oh, wait. Yep. No way. Yep. I don't believe you. Believe it, brother. You were going 88 miles an hour? Bingo. Uh, I'm speechless. I literally have no speech. I am right now in this moment without speech. Zero. Zip, nada, none. None speech have I. Yep. Well... That's, that's just... Unlucky? Well, I, I, I'm not sure that really begins to cover it. Honestly, you got married October 8th, 1988, which is 8888, and you're driving home in a 1988 Oldsmobile 88... Get pulled over for speeding. And get pulled over for speeding doing 88 miles per hour. Wow. Yep, yep, and yep. Did I mention I'm speechless? Several times. Wow. So, no. My thing about the number 88 has nothing to do with Nazis or white supremacists or whatever. 
All righty then. But I'll tell you, if that bag of dicks Adolf Trump was the 88th president instead of the 45th, man, I'd dig a deep hole, crawl in, and never come out. Come to think of it, that's exactly what he should do. Just saying. Okay. So, so since this is uh, this show is Fusebox 88... Yeah, I'm pretty much just sitting here waiting for a tire fire abortion of a shitstorm to come ripping through the walls and... Hit me right between the eyes. Which explains the helmet. And you you seem pretty resigned to that fate. Hell, man. There's no way I'm going to be lucky enough to go gentle into that good night, bro. No, it's going to be a gruesome end for your old buddy Mel. But not today. Well, it's early yet. And on that happy note, let us take a small break and uh, we shall be right back. You, maybe. Oh, I'm sure you'll be right back, too. Do we have a shovel around here? Just saying. This show for everybody. But not everybody will like it. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is... uh. Off to a flying start here. So, this really is a fascinating nugget of history that uh, many may not be aware of. I know it was uh, a new one for me a while back, and hence the uh, title of this episode of Fusebox. It comes from this this little typically eight-page comic book that started in the 1920s and uh, lasted all the way to the early 1960s, although... I uh, I can think of a now infamous cousin of this idea that uh, was published in early 1971, but uh, we'll get to that a little later. The uh, the Tijuana Bible was uh, well, friends. Spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a dirty little comic book, friends. But uh, what made it unique from uh, the other? sordid little mags out there uh, and the infamous French postcards and uh, things like that was that it... Um... Uh-oh, hang on. <laughs> we, have a, we have a disturbance. Hang on a second. Let me... Well, hey, hey, guys. Yeah, we're, we're doing the show right now. So... Somebody say beer? Do we have beers? Well, that's that's very, very nice of you. Um, do we have time for this? Bro, there is always time for beer. Beer! <laughs> okay. All right. Well, <laughs> this is great. Uh, so, so this uh, is your uh, your uh, improved uh, concoction, right, guys? The uh, the wildebeest IPA. Hell, pour them up, little dudes. I got. I'm I'm impressed, guys. I mean, you made your own beer. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, I'm I'm wondering how they managed to open the bottles with no thumbs. Ooh, why, thank you. Thanks, old dude. Cheers! 
That's just... God-awful! Well, I I wouldn't say... I mean, it's not... Well, it it has an interesting taste, guys. You know? The the notes are... uh, Off-key. Look, uh, well, well, now, Milt, it's, you know, it really is. It's just their first attempt, right? So, you know, there's going to be growing pains (laughs) as they... uh, The only growing pain is the one in my mouth. Jesus. My taste buds are wondering what the... Look, look, little dudes, it's 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 just not any damn good. Oh, okay, 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 guys, okay, look, please, everybody, just yeah, every, yeah, just calm down. It's it's really not that. Look, there's no sense in name calling. I I just don't like it. Okay. Oh boy. Hey, I'm sorry, okay? I, I, I'm, I'm sorry your shitty fucking wildebeest beer tastes like donkey ass. <laughs> oh, the humanity. Folks, we'll be right back. Contains no nutritional value. TheFuseBoxShow.com All righty. <laughs> We're back. And, uh, you okay over there? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> that eye looks really nasty. I just, just want you to know. <laughs> Yeah, it'll grow back. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So, uh, friends, before the um, interruption, there we were uh, we were talking about the now infamous Tijuana Bible, and uh, and so what I was starting to say was the typical Bible was this little eight panel, eight page comic strip in a in a wallet sized two-and-a-half by uh, four-inch format with uh, black print on, you know, cheap white paper and that little mystery stain that you don't know what it is. Yeah. And it was running eight pages in length, and, and they were drawn in the style of popular comics at the time, using, in many instances, the actual characters in those uh, popular books. <laughs> oh, man. You mean like... Uh... Little Orphan Annie was was having a three-way with Daddy Warbucks and her dog Sandy? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) most assuredly. And as I say, they were drawn in the same style, too, right? So, uh, among the often uh, quoted were uh, Blondie, Barney Google, Moon Mullins, Popeye, Tilly the Toiler, uh, the Cats and Jammer Kids, Dick Tracy... And uh, b- uh, bringing up father. And, of course, they often did the same thing with uh, famous folks, too, like uh, Mae West, Clark Gable, and uh, Joe Lewis. Sometimes with uh, names just, here it comes, vaguely 
changed. Thank you. Quoting Wikipedia here. Before uh, World War II, almost all the stories were humorous and frequently were cartoon versions of well-known dirty jokes that had been making the rounds for decades. The first celebrity Bibles were based on real-life newspaper tabloid sex scandals. Doesn't sound like much has changed either. (laughs) Indeed not. Uh, The scandals are uh, still portrayed in various forms today and and seen, of course, by much, much wider audiences. Of course, as you might expect, the artists were always unknown, and uh, they often used names like uh, Mr. Prolific or uh, Elmer Zilch. There was one chap named Blackjack that did a series of ten comics using characters from Snow White, uh, with each of the seven dwarves starring in their own X-rated title. Oh, boy, that must have tweaked the studios. Oh, oh, man, you can bet. And uh, I'm not sure when this particular one came out, but uh, Disney's Snow White film was uh, 1937. So uh, it stands to reason they were they were definitely going after that one. Of course, uh, how the hell did you find these books back in the day? I mean, it wasn't like you could wander into Barnes & Noble or something. Interested, are you? I'm asking for a friend. Okay. Well, actually, uh, these things were sold uh, under the counter, as they used to say, for uh, 25 cents in places, uh, well, uh, quoting Wikipedia here again, in places where men congregated, (laughs) bar rooms, bowling alleys, garages, tobacco shops, barber shops, and of course, burlesque houses. Oh, hell, I could have found them easily then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 25 cents? Oh, yeah. Such a bargain. Well, but yeah, but wasn't that like $40 back in the 30s? Well, you know what? I I actually did do uh, the math and... Uh, of course you did. What the fuck else do you have to do? <laughs> <laughs> of course I did. And it would have been $4.83. And I also know what the weather was in Terre Haute when a cache of Bibles was discovered in a school locker at Wiley High School. Huh? Quoting Wikipedia again, police traced the source back to a highly respected local newspaper editor named Charles Jewett. He was the managing editor of the Terre Haute Star and his son, a job printer. A federal charge was also placed against them because some of the Bibles had been shipped across state lines to Rochester, Minnesota. Jewett was arrested following an investigation by authorities of the origin of a book of indecent pictures in which popular comic strip characters figure. (laughs) So there you go. Man, that would have been quite the sideline for a newspaper to have. Yeah. You have all the materials at hand to reproduce these things and uh, even a way to distribute them. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Little Timmy delivering those Tijuana Bibles on his paper route. Gosh, what's that? Oh, it's some kind of comic book. I love comic books. Holy shit! Yeah, I bet you all the papers were really late that day. Yep. Timmy got distracted by all the fun pictures. Why, he'd never seen Popeye and Olive Oil go at it like that in cartoons. <laughs> So uh, what what was that uh, related thing 
you were talking about. Huh? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> the, the, the now infamous underground comic by uh, Dan O'Neill called Air Pirates, in which um, all the Disney characters are uh, depicted uh, boinking their brains out with one another and uh, doing drugs and all in exquisite detail. Oh, man, I remember that thing. It came out in the uh, 70s, didn't it? And and didn't he, like, uh, fight Disney on it for, like, years or something? Yeah, yeah, he did. And, And in fact... Disney started a suit in 1971, and Dan refused to roll over on this thing. In fact, he wanted to be sued by them, going so far as to having copies. And I remember this, having copies of Air Pirates smuggled into the Disney board meeting. (laughs) What? He wanted them to clean his clock? (laughs) Absolutely. He was working at the uh, San Francisco Chronicle, you know, uh, back before the Air Pirates thing. And uh, he had a strip he was doing for the paper at the time called Odd Bodkins. And uh, he was progressively getting more and more political in his storylines, which uh, the uh, editors were growing (laughs) increasingly nervous about. And... uh, were threatening to relieve Dan of his duties on the strip, so uh, he decided on an admittedly oddball tactic. He would deliberately do a blatant copyright infringement using Disney characters in hopes that uh, he'd become so hot legally that the paper would sell the rights to Odd Bodkins back to him to avoid being sued by Disney themselves. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And uh, then, I guess, in 1980, the case was uh, finally dropped altogether when, uh, when Disney realized that the $190,000 damages <laughs> would be completely unrecoverable. And uh, the $2 million in legal fees was pushing the limit even for them. Now, remember, this is 1980. Today, they wouldn't stop at all. But uh, they settled the dispute with the stipulation that uh, no further use of the characters would continue. And uh, that, as they say, was that. Man, I'd love to see one of those things. Well, I did see one at the time in 1971. And uh, I was amazed at the quality of work that Dan and his colleagues produced. Um, These uh, renderings were based on the comic strip versions by Floyd Gottfriedson, and uh, they they were outstanding. They're uh, just amazing. You don't have one of those things lurking up there in your underground collection, do you? Uh, sadly, no. If I had had the presence of mind to pick it up at the time, well, that would be a thing. And of course, those things are worth big bucks these days. But you know, that's that's another story. Yeah, same old story, right? Mom or dad throws out all your comics because you're too old for that stuff. And, of course, you know, you had number one of everything. Yes. And then you quietly turned sullen and withdrawn, never leaving your room, not eating, crying yourself to sleep at night, contemplating hanging oneself from the ceiling fan. Well, you're still doing all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And with that tasty morsel of audio ambrosia, folks, 
we're going to pack our Tijuana Bibles and go hang around bus depots and seedy dive bars and other places that men congregate. But not before thanking our uh, fine collaborators on this filthy little habit we call Fuse Box, Ami Binford, Jody Lorimer, and Jeff Pollard for exciting the bandpass filters in such a fabulous way. You know what I mean? They really do. Also, thanks to the uh, Japanese pocket squirrel's favorite meat puppet, <laughs> Milk Canes, for technical assistance. I told you, man. I told you. It's 88. It's just, it's just out to get me. It just is. <laughs> no worries. That number doesn't come up again in this show until, well, show 8888. I'm thinking I'd be nothing more than a floating head in a jar, probably. But be that as it am, thanks as well to you, dear friends, for once again pushing play on this edition of the show. And please feel free, nay, giddy with delight even, to visit the Fusebox store where all manner of shimmering Fusebox merchandise can be found by merely going to the FuseboxShow.com and pushing the shopping tab or from our Fusebox Show Facebook page and uh, pushing the Shop Now button right there on the masthead thingy. I have been your wondering what that mystery stain is on page two host, Mark Rose, saying, until our next cartoon. You got any ointment? Fuse box.